Hey everybody, I hope all is well. Good to be with you again. I hope you had a great weekend and uh, had an opportunity to get some good rest preparing for this week. Let's pray before we jump into the reading today. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this moment together. We're grateful for your word and for all that you have for us today. Um, we try to calm our hearts and our minds now to receive from you, and we ask you to help us with that process. Just keep distractions far from us and make your word to us very clear. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be reading Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it's written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. There's a Jewish phrase, which I can't pronounce, uh, that translates in English, quote, The Torah has 70 faces, end quote. The Torah is a collective name for the first five books of the Hebrew Bible uh, or the Old Testament of the Christian Bible. The idea expressed in this phrase is that God's word in the scriptures is like a valuable stone, a jewel with many sides that offers new insights and greater depth as you turn it and examine it again. This is a passage that uh, has become very formative for me as I spent time with it the past few years. And uh, to me, at least, is one of those passages with 70 sides, uh, or at least three. <laughs> because of this, we're going to uh, sit in this text, so to speak, for the next three days and, and turn it in our hands and hopefully begin to understand its layers of meaning. I hope these devotionals have given you a basic structure for reading and reflecting on scripture, for drawing closer to God, for growing in your ability to identify what he's communicating to you personally, and of course, for responding to him in faith. The ultimate goal here is that doing these together gives you the confidence to read the Bible on your own and maybe even help others do the same. Part of that means that there will be times as you read that you feel compelled to stop and to drill down deeper before moving on to, to read the same passage again and again to see all that God wants to reveal to you. My hope is that we will experience 
something like that together over the next few days. Today's reading comes on the heels of a passage that we read from Luke 3 last week, detailing the moments of Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River. That moment we saw culminate when the voice of God could be heard saying to Jesus, You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I said this in a prior devotional on, and I'll repeat it now. How amazing is it for a child to hear those words from their parents? How much life do those words bring? How much confidence and courage do those words bring? I wonder how many challenges that children face would be alleviated if every one of them heard those words from their parents every day. Those are the ultimate words of identity. You are mine. I love you. I'm proud of you. It's with these words that Jesus heads into the wilderness, led by God's spirit to fast and to be tempted for 40 days. Luke tells us that he ate nothing during those days. And maybe in the biggest understatement of the Bible, he was hungry. Yeah, that sounds about right. We need to be clear that it is at the end of Jesus' time in the wilderness that the, the devil, the enemy of God, comes to him with temptations. It's in his weakest and most vulnerable moment when the enemy decides to strike. And it is in this moment that the enemy attempted to get Jesus to forfeit the success of his mission by denying his identity and his relationship with his father. The Bible tells us that Jesus was the, the God-man. Now, I know that this is not an easy concept for our human minds to understand and, frankly, can be a challenge uh, for many of us to our faith. But God really doesn't give us another alternative as far as I can see it. If he wasn't man, then he couldn't identify with our sinfulness and, and take it on himself and if he wasn't God, then he couldn't reconcile us back to the Father in his holiness. So first the devil comes to Jesus and attacked his humanity. You're hungry, he taunted, but you have the power to relieve your hunger because you're God. Isn't that right? Isn't that who you are? Jesus resisted. Yes, I am hungry. Yes, I'm weak. But there's more to real life than satisfying my desires and alleviating my pain. And that life is found in obedience to my father. And my father has asked me to fight you in my humanity. And I believe that he's going to give me everything I need to fulfill that call. The devil tried again, this time playing to his humanity in an attempt to get him to forego his godliness. I'll give you everything a human could want, power and prestige. It will all be yours in an instant if you worship me. Again, Jesus resists. Now, we may be tempted uh, ourselves to gloss over what Jesus was going through in this moment. So let's stay here for a moment. I, I love basketball. I played basketball growing up. I played basketball with friends in a bunch of context throughout my adult life. Basketball is rest for me. I, I, I enjoy going and shooting around by myself to just be and to let go. Uh, in the past, I've had visions 
of Jesus that if he were a basketball player, he'd shoot 100% from the field. He'd dunk from the free throw line. Every move would be graceful and every pass would be on point and he'd do it all in a robe. The Gospels give us a different picture of Jesus, though. We just read that Luke said he got hungry. Elsewhere, we read that he got thirsty, too, and tired and frustrated and angry. He laughed and he cried. In fact, he wept. He, he partied. He went out to eat. He slept. In a mysterious reality, without losing his godliness, he experienced everything that you and I do. So in this moment, when the devil offered him influence over everyone on earth, he had to be tempted. I think he would have been tempted because this new position would have fast-tracked his mission. He wouldn't have had to wait for people to hear his message or to see him or be given a chance to believe in him. They could have those opportunities right now. Wouldn't that be the best thing for them? Jesus knew, though, that his kingdom wouldn't be an earthly one. His kingdom would be wherever he was made king. And that was a decision that would be made in the hearts of men and women. His kingdom wouldn't be bounded by politics or geography, but by the message of grace that would extend to every location on earth. Lastly, the devil took Jesus to the highest point of the temple in Jerusalem. He told him to throw himself off and with sly deception actually quoted scripture to Jesus about how God would save him by sending angels to catch him and spare his life. In the first temptation, the devil challenged Jesus to deny his humanity. In the second, he challenged him to deny his godliness. And in the third, the devil challenged Jesus to deny the path by which he would accomplish his mission as the God-man. Here's what I mean. Jews at this time believed that the promised Messiah would be accompanied by miraculous glorifying signs to underline and to make plain his identity. Surely jumping several hundred feet from the temple and being surrounded by a cloud of angels in midair and carried gently down to the busy streets below would have been that sign to confirm his identity. People would have been drawn to Jesus and wanted to be associated with him, to be taken by him into God's kingdom. But Jesus knew that the greatest miracle was the miracle of grace, the, the miracle of forgiveness and freedom that could only be found when the penalty of sin was paid in full and the curse of death released. Jesus knew that the one sign that would draw all people to himself would be the sign of the cross on which he would be crucified. He would tell his followers that they would find true life when they lost theirs and that being his disciple meant picking up their cross daily, dying to their own agendas in favor of their lords and laying down their plans and preferences to serve those in need. It was in a beautiful garden that humanity gave in to the deception of the enemy and gave up their identity as children of God. And it was in the barren desert that the Son of God overcame that deception to win them back. He had hung on to the truth and believed who God was. And with that, he had power to withstand the ultimate attack and come out victorious in God's spirit. Today, 
I encourage you to consider Jesus' identity and what it means to you. What for you is an appropriate response to who he is? I know that I can often be quick to jump to application to doing something with what I've read. But I've learned that sometimes doing something means worshiping someone. It means praising and and honoring the Lord for who he is and what he's done, what he's accomplished for me. It's hoping in him rather than uh, taking something from him and hoping in my own ability to doing something with it. So today, for me, I need to worship. How about you? What's an appropriate response for you? I pray that you seek out that answer today and that as you do, you are drawn closer to the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for this time together, for this opportunity to encourage one another uh, to come before you humbly, um, to admit that we don't have all the answers about life and to acknowledge that you do. We rest in that fact now and we rest in the identity of Jesus and the power that you gave him uh, to achieve the victory that we could never achieve for ourselves. I pray that um, you would make that real for each one of us today in a deeply personal way, Um, that you would speak words of identity to us, words of grace to us. We ask this in his name. Amen.